A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus passed through towns and villages, teaching as he went and making his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few people be saved? He answered them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will attempt to enter, but will not be strong enough. After the master of the house has arisen and locked the door, then you will stand outside knocking and saying, Lord, open the door for us. He will say to you in reply, I do not know where you are from. And you will say, We ate and drank in your company, and you taught in our streets. Then he will say to you, I do not know where you are from. Depart from me, all you evildoers. And there will be wailing and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south, and will recline at table in the kingdom of God. For behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. On my last two trips to the Holy Land, we visited Petra and Mount Nebo in Jordan before crossing the border into Israel. We arrived at the King Hussein crossing in our tour bus, said goodbye to our Jordanian driver and guide, checked our bags in the terminal, went through passport check and exited on the other side of the terminal in Israel. Our Israeli guide and bus driver were waiting for us. There was a sign on the building on the Jordanian side that warned, No tipping allowed. On our first trip, after waiting almost two hours on the Israeli side for our luggage, I realized too late that the sign should have read, Tipping is required. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. At the time of Jesus, there are seven gates to the city. At the wider gates, the traveler would be met by toll collectors. All gates, ferries, and bridges were subject to tolls, which were used for the upkeep of roads, policing of markets and inns, and protection of the travelers. It was a good idea, but subject to abuse. There was probably a sign at the main gate that read, No tipping allowed. The main gates are not always open, but other gates allow entry during those times. At the narrow gate, there are no toll collectors because the gates are too small to bring in a load of goods. Jesus said, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. The Greek word for strive is agonizimai, from which we get the word agony. Agonizimai describes the endurance required for an athletic struggle, like the agony in the garden, or Jacob wrestling with God. Those who take the road to the narrow gate will most likely have to fight their way through the crowd of people heading for the main gate. Those who choose the narrow gate 
will be free from the oppression of the toll keepers, yet they will have to cast aside their worldly belongings. In the natural world, a snake looks for a narrow passageway, usually two stones, to shed the old skin, which has become too constrictive for developing and growing. At the opportune time, the caterpillar spins itself inside the narrow space of the chrysalis to emerge transformed into a butterfly. A seed must accept a process of decomposition into the ground to produce its flowers or fruit. Most of us were born into this world through the birth canal. To renew itself, to expand and to innovate, life often goes through narrow places or bottlenecks which give birth to unpredictable newness and connection. In Hebrew, the word for Egypt is mitzarim, which literally means a very narrow place. To come out of Egypt, the children of Israel had to pass through a narrow, difficult way. God meets us in the narrow places and leads us out into the land of promise. The Babylonian exile was another transformational experience for the chosen people. The people who returned from exile were not the same as the people who had left. They had always thought that to be God's chosen people meant that everyone else was excluded. But God imagines the chosen to include everyone. I am coming to gather all nations and tongues. This divine characteristic is unsettling. What's the point of being chosen if you cannot boast of God's special care? Isaiah answers this question. The chosen have been called so that they might be sent to the distant coastlands that have never heard of my fame or seen my glory, and they shall proclaim my glory among the nations. The children of Israel have been chosen not merely for their own sake, but for the sake of others. The theologian Gerhard Lofink considers this gathering of the scattered to be a key biblical term for the event of salvation. Salvation is therefore not about being saved for heaven after death. Rather, salvation is about gathering people in communion, thereby restoring the good creation that sin and violence have torn apart. That's the question Jesus answers in the Gospel. As usual, it's not a direct answer to the question posed. But Jesus answered the question behind the question, Lord, will only a few be saved? Me? And who else? Jesus doesn't say what we must positively do. He merely warns against presumption. The people who thought they were automatically part of God's people, we are Jacob's sons, will find themselves outside I do not know where you are from. While plenty who never imagined they'd have anything to do with the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be inside. A non-negotiable part of meeting Jesus means being sent out, and not just alone on some private spiritual quest. It means being called into community, to be church, and then sent out with others 
in pairs to walk in Jesus' footsteps. Jesus isn't looking for admirers. We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. Jesus wants followers, disciples. For most of us, it's inside our commitments, within our own narrow places, that transformation takes place. It's only in our relationships that we discover forgiveness. We become a conduit of mercy, because we only give mercy in the same way we have received it. Transformation happens when we live within the tensions of life instead of running away. Imagine the cross. Its beams stretch out four ways, pulling against each other, left and right, up and down. But those arms converge in a center, at the heart. A heart that can be pulled open by that stretching. A heart that can be opened so fully it can hold everything from despair to ecstasy. That is how Jesus held his excruciating experience as an opening into the heart of God. The cross is the narrow door that can open the heart to include everything and everyone who is in the Father's heart. All will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God.